special guest, my boy Santi, musician, compositioner. That's a word that, that they made especially for him. And, and a good friend of mine. So thanks a lot, Santi, for coming in. How you been, dog? Yeah, really good. Thanks for getting that word right. Nobody gets it right, man. Compositioner. I love that. Yeah. Composition, right? not composer. That was like that's like what he, they used to call him. Now it's a that's composition. What, yeah. Well, you reached certain levels. You're a writer, you're a composer, and this, this is a new level that they created for me specifically. The um, so yeah, yeah I mean, I forgive people when they don't get it right, but thanks, man. No, no problem, bro. You know, we here at the Broski Doodles, we take pride in in actually <laughs> you know getting the research right. I mean, and if there's one thing that the Broski Doodles do, we get the facts correct. So right. so so. <laughs> We're glad to have you here, man, and I'm super excited, myself being a musician. I know Steven, uh, even though he himself does not play music, he has a great ear for music, and we actually haven't had an episode on music, and and this is actually great because you're someone that not only makes music and been doing it for a long time, but you've, you've also actually gotten into the, the music business already and, and, and have been able to make some, some money out of it, and you've recently um, with some of your your band projects so so we're super excited to listen to that uh, quick I just want to get people knowing a little bit of your of your origin what would you say was the story behind you getting into music and and you know playing instruments uh, and you know when did it start for you uh, yeah so first let me say uh, I'm, uh, I'm really happy to be here thank you guys for inviting me I miss you bro uh, uh, if you guys uh, you know for anybody uh, cares Kiko and I went to middle school and high school together so this is kind of fun I, I haven't seen you in I don't know maybe what 15 20 years <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> yeah, at least track of time <laughs> I'm really old <laughs> um, anyway but this is cool uh, the way I started with music is I was always a soccer kid. Uh, I grew up in Colombia, so I played soccer. For I never imagined doing anything other than playing soccer until I was like 10 years old. And then my cousin started a band. And um, I don't know. And then I started like, I wanted to play drums. I was just, I just thought it was cool. Honestly, I thought it was cool. Like I used to be in music lessons when I was a kid and I never cared about any of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just playing soccer. Dude, I played soccer like three times a day. Uh, and then eventually, because, I don't know, music just, like, it wasn't, like, a cool thing. It was just something my parents wanted me to do. So then eventually when I was, like, 10 or 11, I, my cousin started a band, and I started playing drums, and I thought that was just really cool. And so in that band, I realized pretty quick that I, I started picking up the guitar, and I became better than the guitarist in the band within, like, weeks. And I was like, oh, maybe I should, you know, play guitar i guess and so i started learning different instruments and and whatever i don't know if that answers uh, the question but yeah, yeah well that's that's a pretty good pretty good start uh i think i uh, i met you a little bit after that when we were about 12 or yeah 13 maybe yeah and yeah that sounds right yeah, sounds about right. And I remember we used to do the football. We used to play football. Santi was actually really good uh, playing football. And then we started getting into music together. And a few of other of our friends. Um, Santi really liked the electric guitar. 
and a lot of these punk bands, uh, No Effects. Uh, I remember it was one of those bands. That's uh, the name of the band, No Effects. Yeah, No Effects. Oh yeah, Melancholin was one. Melancholin. Oh man, that's really, those were the days, bro. Melancholin, yeah, band, uh, punk band from Sweden. <coughs> yeah. So, that, and then you, I, I was you were born part in, of a sorry. Swedish punk band. No, this is the music I was listening to. So oh. I pro- so I probably like tried to like. Pour it down Kiko's throat because I was listening to so much of that stuff. Sounds like um, my good Charlotte days. <laughs> yeah, which was trash. <laughs> good Charlotte, yeah, that's funny. Um, that that was like pop punk. That was like radio punk. And uh, us real punks, we looked down upon that. Yeah, yeah. I know. I looked down upon it, man. Dude, man, but it, 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 it was pretty cool days because I remember Santi had started playing the guitar a, a little bit earlier than me. And I and I picked up a, a, my dad's uh, acoustic flamenco guitar, and I would take it to his house, and like his mom would go to work, and like be away, and then he, he was the only one there, and then we just go to his house and play music, and dude, it was like for me it was the formative years for for like my own music uh, endeavor, and I think for Santi that was also you know at the start. Maybe, unless I'm mistaken But the start of him Like getting into composing and, and actually I remember him Back in the day Had this little program Where you could Actually compose things But it was very archaic You know Not like The programs that you have now And he would like Manually put in the things So I remember that Very young He was getting into the In the composition And I also liked that Too I was like since I knew how to play two chords, I was like, "All right, I might use these two chords and make a song." And it was shit, right? But my my purpose always was I wanted to create. So in in in, in that route, do you did you also see it that way, Santi? I mean, I know that you like playing covers too, but was it also also something natural that you always wanted to create as soon as you knew how to play things? Yeah, so uh, I guess it's an interesting thing about different people and different and uh, how they develop differently as artists. Because I had friends uh, who were like classically trained, who were like maybe like little virtuosos or uh, prodigies or whatever you want to call it, and they were they were amazing at reading music and playing and whatever. But they would not they they would just not sit down to write something. They would not sit down to compose. And I'd be like, hey, why don't you write a song? And they would be like, uh, I don't know, like I don't, I don't, I just don't. Uh, that's not something I do, you know. And for me, I was never formally trained or anything. I don't know if that has maybe that that kind of suppresses the creativity. I don't know. I'm not saying I'm not trying to deter anyone from trying to get formally trained. But for me, it was just really uh, natural to just sit down. With the same thing that you're saying. That I know two chords. Well, I'm gonna write a song with those two chords. I know how to play three notes. I'm gonna write a song with uh, you know whether it's bad, whether it's good, it doesn't matter. I'm just gonna create something. So for me, it just came very natural to just start composing, and I would just, you know, just write. And, I've, and like you said, I had uh, this program called Tabit, <clears throat> where I just input like note by note into into the thing, and um, and that's actually how I compose most of my music today. I type it into a grid instead of uh, performing it because uh, I don't know if that's a whole different conversation, but it, it makes me understand everything I'm doing a lot better. Um, but yeah, the creativity, I just, uh, it was natural to me to start writing and I know it was for you too. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, um, back when I was selling, uh, audio gear, uh, one of the, the companies I represented was personas and they came out with studio one 
And Studio One has a whole has two visions, and most of it just a lot of people tend to use the grid more. Um, I think I think the word is quantized or quantized, like where it's like on on beat no matter what, or like you can actually play something into it, and then it automatically like shifts the notes to to be on time and things like that. So. Grid is grid is yeah, awesome. Yeah, so the yeah, so the grid is there no matter what. It's just a matter of like, am I if I'm playing something on this keyboard right here? I don't know if you can see if I if I'm playing something on there, I can see the notes coming in. And you, so you could do two uh, you could do it two different ways, right? I'd be like, I want to write I want to write this chord, so I play the chord. Or instead, what you can do is you can just open up your grid and type in the notes manually. And um, I, I use both ways. I compose a lot of music, but. Um, I think just I prefer to type in the notes because like I know that I'm not I know this might sound weird it might might be hard to understand but like I know that I'm not playing any notes that I didn't mean to play it's like when you've been playing your whole life you might play a chord you might not think about each each note you know but if I'm typing every single note that I know that every note has a purpose and the note length and the beats and everything um So it makes me just like really know my songs like just completely inside out, note by note, beat by beat. Okay, so that's interesting because like in contrast, and I'm sure that you use different ways to compose, but the way that I compose is kind of like a, like a mini improvisation session every few seconds, right? So I grab my guitar. Until something sounds uh, good. Yeah, and I start playing a few things, and then uh, once like the flow goes in it, uh, I got it. Now, in your case, do you see in your head already the chords that are gonna sound good, and then you just type them in, and you don't go through the through the I guess through through the thing of having to play them and missing a note or whatever. You just see it in your head how it's supposed to sound already, and you put it there. Um, so. I think it's a combination of what I call vision and what you're talking about trial and error right so like uh, sometimes I'll I'll have an idea completely laid out in my head uh, before I touch an instrument and I'll be like all right cool like I I'm confident in this and I know all I have to do is program it uh, what I mean by program it is opening the grid and, and uh, typing in the notes um, choosing a tempo choosing a, a sound and you know I use logic but in whatever whatever DAW you use or uh, sitting down and playing it on on, uh, on guitar or on piano and um, so so then sometimes like you're like oh wow that idea worked exactly like I meant like I meant it and it works perfectly you know and it's great and then sometimes you're like wow the idea was way off I, I i'm terrible i suck and then you gotta you know trial and error for a while until something sounds good um <clears throat> but it's usually like it's like a spectrum right it's like usually it's a combination of both of both it's like i have this this vision and then most of the time the finished product is something similar to the vision but something that like evolved from oh this sounds better this sounds good or sometimes i'll get like a really cool sound on logic that i wasn't i wasn't expecting or i did something by accident and like i'll be like oh I, that actually works and that'll like drive the song into into creation okay so it actually sometimes yeah i find it that when you have the notes and stuff Uh, that gives you a vision and then once you start going through sound banks maybe a certain sound might like like get those notes and, and, and make you like 
maybe it's the same vision, but maybe from another angle, you're like, oh, fuck, this could now ride a different way. And so Yeah, for sure. I think it's really interesting with sound banks and shit because, like, I don't I don't look, I don't spend a lot of money on, on sound banks and uh, sample projects or uh, sample plugins or whatever. <clears throat> Just because I do most of my music is like piano or guitar based or just simple electronic things. Um, I guess I don't know if that's true, but anyway, um, I think what's interesting about that is that um, when you're going through sounds, you 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 might hit a sound randomly that becomes like the heart of the song and it, and it becomes like what the song is so if you were in a different mood and you hit a different a, a different sound or whatever like you might end up with a completely different song just based on your software you know which is kind of weird mm. it's kind of weird to think about like oh this song like became this just because of what i clicked at that time you okay. know I mean? it's different than when you like for for you maybe you're right on your acoustic like you know that's what's coming or whatever you know do you, uh, when you, I, mean, I guess this might be a question from an outsider point of view, but like when you're composing your music or you're with somebody or a group of people, um, how, how does that translate when you're, when you're working with other, other artists? Like, um, do you think, do you, are you, I guess I'm trying to like categorize it, but do you find yourself to be more of the, the lead where you kind of delegate different sounds to people if you're doing it to, like, I'm talking more about your your touring days and your instead of you on a on a thing. But do you find yourself being the lead and delegating more, or like do you ever find to to like make a song with someone and then there's like a clash due to software, due to uh, your different ways of looking at things or composing things? Like how how does that? What has been your experience in that? Um, okay, so I think that. <coughs> For a lot of bands and a lot of people, you you get in a, like for, or for for rock bands in general, you might assume that I get into a band with five dudes with our instruments crack, cranked, you know, all to eleven, whatever, and we write a song like that, and that certainly happens, and I've certainly done that, but I haven't done that in I don't know over ten, twelve years. I don't write music with people around me. Uh, I don't write music with live instruments. Like that's not really that's not how it works for me. A lot of people do write like that, but if I'm writing music, I'm sitting at this desk with this keyboard next to me, with those guitars next to me, and just most of the time, I'm just like in in my uh, my Logic program and just typing notes. You know what I mean? That's how I write music. Even when I write for my bands, uh, even when I write for uh, my projects with other people. Um, so instead, like how I collaborate, and I, is I just write an idea and I send it to the the guy I work with, my friend Corey, and I'll send it to him. And then it's like right now, uh, yesterday I wrote a piano track and vocal melodies. Vocal melodies just means my melody ideas with random lyrics. So I send it to him, and then he goes, "All right, I like that. Here's what I here's what I came up with," and then we'll piece together some melodies. He'll write some lyrics. I'll work on the instrumental, and then boom, we have a song. We can write a song in a week like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that answered your question yeah, completely. Yeah, but yeah. It, yeah. I kind of wanted to get a, a sense, uh, especially for people who are listening, like just how how 
because I look at making music differently than you guys do because I've never I, I don't write it. So actually, the thought of making music is pretty overwhelming to me. Right when you have to when you have so many moving pieces, you have the bass lines, the the harmonics, the leads, the, the and the different instruments that go along with it. It feels like well, I'm not really good at any like all of it in general right but sometimes i get a little little a little diddle in my head and i'm like oh shoot you know like that's actually kind of dope and so my thing is you know i mean i collaborate with kiko in this podcast and i collaborate with other people in my life but when it comes to music music seems to me seems to be something very personal i mean like when i talk to kiko there are some things that like don't change like even though i'm like hey can you do this and he's like no no but this is what i really wanted to do and that's fine because it's 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 your song but when you put that into perspective with other people um it's i just want to know kind of like what what is the uh, the etiquette from artist to artist when you're blending stuff together what does that look like how does that feel and if somebody's out there thinking about making music you know like what would you what would you tell them i guess in in that sense kind of like how we brought you onto the podcast and you're like oh well like what are we going to talk about well it'll kind of go it'll find its way right do you think that same thing would happen in music um yeah i'm not sure i understand the question but if you're asking me about like how uh how it goes writing with with other people or how to get started on it mm-hmm. um yep well, what I would say to to someone that wants to write music or wants to get into music in general is just because uh, cause it's it's overwhelming. And like you're saying, like there's so many instruments, there's, you know, there's like there's literally infinite stuff that you could do. Um, so what I would say is just uh, take it one step at a time and just have fun. If you're not having fun doing music, if you're not having fun doing art, then yeah, do do something else because or do math or something, right? Do whatever, yeah, do whatever <laughs> makes you happy. I mean, like, dude, I don't I, like like i i want to i want to get to a point where i can sit down and write music as a job but i don't i don't sit down for hours to write a song because be, you know because someone told me to or because i'm supposed to i do because i enjoy it you know what i mean mm-hmm. and uh i think Kiko probably knows about this too it's like you know you, you don't play music because you first of all music you don't make money anymore it's it's, it's tight but uh, even if you did, like you don't, you don't do it for that. You don't do it for 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 money, whatever. So I don't know if I'm getting off tan- on a tangent, but just uh, just enjoy it. And like if you if you have a an empty project and you're like, all right, well I'm gonna write this melody, and you just pull up a piano, you put out you put the melody. You're like, all right, great, I have a piano. Don't think about oh I have you know twelve more instruments to add to this. Just think about I have a piano. Let's add a beat to it. So I want to pick a kick drum sound, I'll pick a snare sound, and a, and a hi-hat sound. I'll write a simple beat. Boom, now I have a little piano line and a simple beat, whatever. And then I'll just, just add it one by one and you enjoy. It's like putting a puzzle together, but instead of like, it's like putting a puzzle together. But you get to make it as you go. Like it's your, it's your, your picture, right. not not something else. Some well, I don't know. It's kind of a really like, it's a unique experience. Like listening back to something you created. It's, it's a high that I, you know, I chase. That sounds awesome. No, yeah, thanks. No, you you hit it right on the nail, right there. Cool. Uh, really quick, was my light? It's my light flickering, right? Do I have? Yeah, I think I've noticed some shit like that. You your have ghosts in your crib. Yeah, your energy feels like off the charts, man. Is that, is that, is that part of being a, a composer? 
Um, uh, a com- uh, com- a composure That's another oh, word. That that's major. a new word. <laughs> yeah, composure <laughs> No, I'm not there yet, Kiko. I'm not there. <laughs> oh, my bad, my bad. That's why. But I think you, you're getting there because that should be the blinking I mean, like you're about to evolve to the next level. Yeah, no, the, Super Saiyan on us right now. At the, at the risk of sounding really lame, I've been watching Vampire Diaries. Um, risk I mean, it all, baby. One of those like witch <laughs> things. I don't know. Yeah, Vampire Diaries you should watch is the the worst show ever, but it's it's amazing. Hey man, if they sponsor this podcast for sure, yeah, yeah, you know, get everybody watching this shit. Yeah, I don't uh, know. I don't have any lights. For the, I don't even have lights on. It's so weird. Oh, fuck it, Santi. One thing uh, carrying on the on the topic that Steve was asking you because I think I find this interesting, and I always noticed this from Santi back in the day. When I started writing, right, and composing, even if I didn't know shit and I sucked, I was just like, I have this idea I want to make, and I just want to make it my own, right, and do it myself. And Santi, I, I guess it was maybe the, the the smartest way to do it. He always wanted to have the ensemble of people, right? And I just always found it hard to work with other people, but you always went that route. So... Following the question from Steven, how do you see the contrast of when you have ideas that you want to put out, but you're doing them with somebody else, and and the clash comes between the creative minds, right? Because I find it that I'm very close to the ideas that I want, and it's very hard for me to collaborate. To compromise. Yeah, to, to compromise. Yeah, you, but I, I, I know that you always have projects with other people. But I also know that you have, you know, a, a strong composition drive. So, so how do you balance that, and and how do you think those relationships have work in your experience? If, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, I think that. Well, first of all, let me say that I feel like I write music on my own, a hundred percent, and the reason. I say that is because at a certain point around 2009 I believe when I left this pop band I decided that I wasn't going to write with people anymore uh, not because I not because I'm hard to work with or because I don't want to work with anyone but I just had so many ideas and I just wanted to do things my way you know so I started writing music completely by myself and it was it was liberating uh, but eventually I met my my friend Corey, who I have on most of my projects, and uh, sometimes you just click with someone, you know what I mean. So I don't feel like so. Anyway, my answer to you, my my answer first is that I write music completely by myself and exclusively with with Corey, with one person. I write music. I don't write music with anyone else. I just recently uh, started putting together some ideas for a different band, uh, for my touring band actually. But uh, other than that, I don't have to deal with that compromising thing a lot because uh, Corey and I click really well, and we know how to. I don't know. I guess we. I don't feel like I comp. I don't feel like I, I compromise on the music I'm writing now. Um, but it is it is tough, man. Like I remember being like, this this is what I want in the song, or I would write like like I, I write. For for my main band Europa, I write all the instruments, including drums and bass and everything. So then, when the guys would like disagree with something and not want to play it exactly, I, I would just feel like, man, like I really have a specific vision for this, and um, and not seeing it realized, it's kind of it's kind of weird, and it's it's hard to accept. Like you were saying, it's it's hard to accept when you know something is right or you feel it, because uh, music is subjective anyway. So nobody nobody's right or wrong, but. 
when you feel something is right and uh, you're you know the person in charge of the instrument doesn't want to doesn't want to do it it's tough it's, it, it can be heartbreaking too but uh just in general i don't deal with with that a lot i do you do have to compromise like when you write music uh normally but you just i don't know you learn to move on i guess you learn to compromise and move on it's not now do you deal. think because this is what i've noticed when i look at bands do you think that successful bands are a mixture of of different energies within the people in there where you might have one or two strong creative minds and others that just like to vibe and go with the flow uh and when it's not like that i mean even having two creative strong creative minds can be a problem uh but when you have even more than that it oh, feels like <laughs> what the fuck man yeah I All think right. I think I understand the question. I think where I know where that was going. Kiko, were you are you back? Yeah, this this was weird. Um this this was this was a bit a bit weird. Let me record again. Okay, so you know what I was getting to is that like I know that bands have issues and sometimes break because there's creative minds, you know, within uh, that, you know, one wants to do something, the other wants to do the other. Do you think that when you see bands that make it big, a lot of times it's because out of the five people, at least three of them are just cool following the flow and they're good musicians, good ex executors, but they have the lower energy. And that doesn't mean that, you know you're less for the man or anything but it, there's just an energy topic there where if everyone i guess what i'm trying to say is like if everyone wants to fucking do their composition like they want it then they, they cannot be a band right so do you think it works like that um so first of all from my experience and from what i know you know from what i've seen not just from my own experience anyway um It, there's there isn't one formula there isn't one way that something that something works um i'll tell you look my two favorite bands my main favorite band is, is a band is a rock band called thrice and as far as i can tell they write everything completely um like as a as a team they have equal say on everything right it's like the four minds come together to create this stuff and that's crazy right that seems like pretty wild and then my second favorite band is a band called the deer hunter where one guy is in charge of like you know seven other guys and, and writes every single part of every single instrument of every single you know word and all that so it, it works both ways and it's just like whatever works for you man there's no there's no uh formula nothing's gonna you know forcing a certain way or another is not going to help you um <clears throat> it is tough when you're in a band and someone takes charge and you kind of have to take that that back seat you know what i mean and a lot of my guys have had to like go from like from oh I, you know we started the band we were we were writing music together to eventually accepting like it's best for the band if i if i you know if i focus on just being the best uh bass player being the best guitar player that i can for this band instead of trying to write music 
um so i i, I don't know it's, dude like music and art in general is very emotional so you can you can have some really like really hard hard times accepting that that hey i'm not like my composing or my creativity is just not good enough for this band you know like it can be tough you know it's just like if you wanted to like if you wanted to to play guitar but you're not good enough at guitar so you have to play like bass or something i'm not saying the bass is inferior but um sometimes you got to accept things like that yeah. and uh yeah i don't know this is a question for both of you actually and and i know we were we were touching on the topic uh, a little bit before the episode started and I wanted to kind of bring it back because I, I find this to be pretty interesting uh, on on how musicians view music and then how mainstream people view music, right? So um, you mentioned that uh, that and, and it's a pretty well known fact, especially with now all the streaming services and Spotify and Apple Music, that musicians don't make money off of making music; they make money predominantly off of what merch and touring is what I, I, I understand. And, um, and so for the smaller bands that are starting out or, or they're lesser known, you know, it, and they're just trying to get their name out there. I mean, yeah, you can go on SoundCloud and you can do uh, certain things to try to bring awareness to your music. But in the meantime, making money and making this and, and keeping your chops up i guess is what i would call it you'd have to go and perform at a, you know be a resident at a local bar or whatever right um but you mentioned something pretty interesting that you can't even really count on playing your music as much as you'd like and i wanted to, i wanted to maybe touch on that um a little bit more what what um what ends up happening in the bar scene maybe you can just express that yeah uh well first of all let me say my experience is probably gonna you know differ from from everyone else um but uh from what i think is he steve is he gone yeah i think he yeah i think he's he's gone hey I don't know what's I, up i don't i don't know I if think it has to do with, with the recording shit or the I, I don't know if it's the, the connection or or if it's this fucking service that we're using because uh it used to work perfect but Maybe it's me. Okay. I was too too prepared. Um, <laughs> uh, Steve, you back? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I don't know uh, what happened, but I I may have gotten my question out. Did I get my yeah, question? Yeah, out? you did. No, I heard you. Um, so yeah. So first of all, my experience is probably it's going to differ from everyone else's, and uh, it's really funny because we used to have as musicians we used to have CD sales, right? And then that, you know, the, you know, and then uh, Napster took that away or whatever. Then we had downloads like 99 cents for, per, you know, per song. And then Spotify took that away. Uh, then we had, we always had touring and Corona took that away. <laughs> so at this point, we're all just like, I don't know, there's nothing, nothing for us. And even in the in the sync world of TV and whatever, they're trying to pay me, uh, musicians less, less and less. But anyway, um, about original music, yeah. So, so like 
a good way to make money as an artist is to go out to a bar and play and play music right so they'll hire you to play four hours or whatever like i play with my with my friend Corey, and we play he plays acoustic i play electric and we just play for four hours at a time um but you are playing covers you are not playing your original music and most artists don't have four hours of original music anyway but you like you're not there for your fans you're there to make you know to make a paycheck and you're there for the patrons of the bar or the restaurant so you're playing you're playing covers i mean you can sprinkle your your originals here and there uh, and we used to do that but for the most part people just sit there like you know i don't know you could just you want to keep the people engaged you want to keep them singing along you want to keep them entertained um and then uh, um you know, so you so you end up like like, like Corey and I set up and we play a hundred covers uh, and we just let people pick from those, um, and so so it's fun. You know, it's fun because we we play songs we like, but well, we kind of gave up on the whole playing originals, uh, bars and restaurants because people you know people don't want to hear that. Uh, but what you, something that you can do is uh, you set up your CDs for sale, you know? You set up your original music so when people say, oh, I like your style, whatever, you can tell them, hey, uh, you know, for $10, take the CD, whatever. So that's the way you can get your music out. Okay. Now, do you find that when, uh, when you're making music and trying to make it in, in that scene, do you find it that having the bar uh, covers... Uh, gig to sort of pay the bills while in the background you're working on pushing your own original stuff do you think that's a better choice than than having like a like a regular job instead like do you think that adds to it if you're doing because you're still like I guess playing music yeah so <clears throat> Some artists, uh, like if you you go to a local bar or whatever, you see, you'll see an artist who plays like funky shit, right? And he plays funky covers and whatever, and so they can easily if your if your music matches what your the covers that you're playing, like the style, you can easily promote your your music better. For Corey and I, we were we've been in bands of like experimental music, electronic, and heavy rock. Where playing acoustic guitar covers didn't really make sense to promote our own music. So we even, like, we have a specific artist name that's different for our cover for our cover shit. Mm. You know what I right, mean? But what I'm trying so, to say is uh, that do you think? Uh, I, I guess I had an experience where I was playing some covers in Venezuela when I was there. And I didn't particularly like it, especially because the type of people that I met in that scene were people that did that. Like, they played covers. They weren't in the background also doing the original stuff, right? And they have a different mindset of all it. Like, they just do it like, you know, it's, it's like we're laying breaks, you know, do this, get the fuck out. And it made me sort of resent to music. Oh, I see, yeah. So what I'm asking is, Do you think, and I guess this is personal and it varies for each person, but I wanted to get your opinion on this. Do you think even if it's the music that you're covering has nothing to do with your music and you cannot promote your music through it, but do you think that the fact that you're at least playing guitar and I guess practicing your instrument is more worth it than maybe you know having a, another an office job or a server job 
like do you would you pref do you prefer that do you think it's better to do that or do you think that it it turns off that little light uh of you know that of that music has the beautiful side of it yeah okay cool i understand the question um i think um So I've met guys who are jaded and are burnt out, you know what I mean? And they're like, man, I, I don't want to play another co another cover again. I don't want to play another gig in front of, you know, fucking whatever, 15 people that don't care. Um, and they're straight up don't want to do it, and they'll go get another job. For me, I've made money with music at different levels over the years, uh, but I've never completely relied on it for, you know, for like a whole year or something. Um, so for me, I've, I've had a serving job that, I, that I've kept as a as a backup always you know what i mean but i don't i don't like serving so any for me any day that i that i that i like earn money playing music or doing anything other than serving at a restaurant i count it as a as a win in my life you know what i mean for me if i'm doing if i'm out playing covers at a shitty bar and i only made a hundred bucks I still count that as a win rather than going to a restaurant and making 200 bucks. Um, but, but that's just me. You know what I mean? Like some people might prefer, I don't know. Some people, might, and, and also if there's any risk that, that I would lose the, my love for music or any risk, I've never gotten to that point, but if there was, then I would, I would understand. I would like immediately go get another job because, uh, mm -hmm. if I don't have music, I mean, I have nothing in my life. Honestly, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's not too dramatic, but like, to, if I don't have music, I, I don't, I don't know what else I could do, you know. Yeah. So if I lose the love for music, I, I like, I don't know. So I, I wouldn't want to do anything that risks that. For sure, for sure. Hey, guys, um, speaking, speaking of going on uh, on tour, um, just because I know that you're in the in the Florida area, like myself. What is your what is your your track? What's your route? Do you ever end up going out of state? Do you are you lucky enough to to have one of those opportunities to go around the country almost? So last year we did um, this band hit me up to uh, to fill in for one of their guitarists, and uh, I became really close with them, and I became their touring guitarist. Um, so we did starting in Louisiana down to down to Fort Lauderdale, up to New York, all the way up over to the West Coast, uh, down to California, and came back down through Arizona and Texas. So we did a full U.S. tour in 35 days. We played 29 shows in 35 days. That was some of the, be some of the best time of my life. It's a lot of fun. and I mean, you know what I mean? Think about it, 29 shows in, in 35 days. To travel, insane to travel the u.s in a month in a little over a month dude that's amazing i mean yeah. it must have been very taxing but you got to oh, dude, you're exhausted but i don't know the the feeling of like i said like any day i spent like if, if any day i spent playing at a bar uh it's, it's a win for me then uh during this tour i was doing I was playing anywhere from 400 to 1,000 capacity venues all over the, the country. So I had a, you know, I, we were the opening band. So, so it's not like they're cheering. It's not, it's not like they're, you know, di di dying to see us. But I have a crowd of 500 to 1,000 people every night. 
I don't know. It was very fulfilling. Um, then we did after. Yeah. So it was really cool. After that, in October, we did Europe and we did another 30 days. I think it was 17 shows in 30 days. Um, a lot more traveling. But that was Germany over to Netherlands, over into England, then back over to France, uh, Austria, uh, Switzerland, uh, more Germany, uh, Spain, actually, Spain and Italy, too. What's your experience? Is there? A, do you see a difference between the crowds in America and in Europe? Or when you're up there, you don't really notice that? Well, the difference, so in all these tours that I've been a part of, I've been in the, I haven't been in the headlining band, which means the crowd is going to depend on that headlining band. You know what I mean? So if we are, we might play for like, oh, we open for the, this band that's uh, instrumental metal, but like almost with that, like a hip hop Uh, influence kind of thing so so it's like a younger crowd and then in Europe we, we opened for a band who was also instrumental but it was more uh, more progressive and more experimental so the crowd will depend by by the band more than anything but I do mm -hmm. think I mean everything in Europe was different man everything was it was honestly really awesome like my time in the United States was was incredible but going to Europe was eye-opening I think just because I think people respect the arts more over there you get treated better by um, whoever's you know whoever, the venues uh, and stuff the, yeah the venues the budget the, the the cities have budgets for the arts and whatever you get put in hotel rooms um, instead of just or you get like you get food instead of just getting money you know what I mean the difference between between them which You might, you might, you might just, you might prefer to to be paid fifteen dollars and go buy something, but it, the fact that some venues will like they have a kitchen and have a person that comes in and cooks for the entire tour with twenty or twenty five people and just like takes care of you, you know what I mean? It's more like a more I don't know. I I you just feel more taken care of in uh, okay in Europe. Damn, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. And and you. You, I mean, one thing that I find crazy, especially on the tour in the U.S., that obviously because of the logistics, you were able to play more shows, but still 29 shows in 35 days. I mean, I it's insane, you know, like it, you, you think like you need to train for that type of thing, like as if you were an athlete that was going to do some sort of marathon. So I've been on tours before, uh, but I think the longest tour I did was like 12 shows or something before then uh, and then when this tour started we started like I said in Louisiana in uh, New Orleans and then we did seven seven days in a row uh, up until like Charlotte North Carolina or something so it was just straight into like the deep end you know what I mean seven days in a row no rest and it was honestly like by the time by that seventh day I was like, dude, this is incredible. Like, I don't need a day off. I'm ready. I can just, I can just keep going. Uh, okay. When everyone else is like, oh, thank God we have a day off tomorrow. I'm like, dude, what am I gonna do? I'm bored. Like, I want to play a show. Okay, mm -hmm. so it was just like you actually, it actually carried you and got you in a flow where you're like, you think that uh, the touring life is something that would come 
Like you, you be able to do it And tolerate it Yeah honestly It's tough man It is uh, It's tough Because uh, when you're on tour You're trying to Save as much money as possible So you're sleeping At friends houses Or you're sharing One hotel room Between five dudes um, You know You're trying to eat you're trying to save your per diem, save your your money. Um, so so it is it, it is rough sometimes. Like you might like, like there's an emotional thing that happens to you where like you can be. This is gonna sound pretty dramatic. I'm a pretty dramatic guy, but you might have you 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 might get to a point where you feel alone, and at the same time you never get a moment to yourself. You know. But if that makes sense, I don't know if that makes sense. You know, you're like, oh man, like I haven't been alone in like three weeks, but I also, I, yeah, but I also feel like, like you know, and I'm all my guys, I love them, all their, the, they're amazing, super, super good friends, uh, r- really nice group of people to to be around for that long of a period of time. But but you know, as a human, like it, be, it becomes like I'm in this van for weeks and weeks, and I'm just like, damn. And I don't even have a time to myself. But anyway, I got uh, honestly, I got addicted to that life. It was so, uh, it was so good, and it was mostly like the, the, uh, the performing part of it. It was mostly like getting on stage for even half and a half an hour, forty five minutes, in front of uh, I don't know. In Europe, we might have played shows to like fifty people, um, or you know, up to a thousand people, like. Just uh, there's there's something that you you as an artist like or as a performer you 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 chase forever that feeling you know what I mean? Is it different when you're playing? Because uh, I mean, you, you as a composer, you, you told you told me like you know there's like this magic moment and like this high right when you get something working and it works boom, and then here even though it's sort of related to music, it's it's, it's a rather different situation where you're playing other people's uh, composition but you're executing it for all this crowd and this is energy and it's also a high to it do you see it as different things like just different in uh, highs um, you know how, how do you relate those yeah I think well to put it into context uh, so this this might be an important piece of information to answer that question I was a huge fan of this band that called me to fill in for them So imagine an artist that you that you love um, calling you up and being like, "Hey, can you fill in on guitar on this tour to open for this other huge band that you already like too?" So um, there's there's definitely a different a different thing between playing music that you wrote in front of people and playing music that you didn't write in front of people. But if it's music you love, and if it's music that you're playing. Every day for 30 days in a row, you you eventually you start feeling a, a sense of ownership of that music. You know what I mean? And, you, and then you become like, like I know I didn't write these parts, but they become like mine in that moment. So I don't know. It starts to blend mm-hmm. together, like the the feeling of playing a, a song that I wrote in front of uh, 50 people in Orlando, and playing a song that I didn't write, but I've been playing for you know six months or whatever. In front of a thousand strangers in London or something. I don't know. That's dope. That's so cool. Yeah, it, it was a really, it was a really uh, fun time. Actually, my last tour was this year, 
after coronavirus had already started so i was actually worried they were going to cancel it we got home i think february 16th so it's just in time for, uh, for quarantine yeah and, and if we knew what we know now i you know you probably could have toured another two months or so <laughs> <been> oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh no that's this is this has been amazing yeah i mean honestly i i find one of the things that kiko and i were talking about the other day was that like i feel like i have been able to meet and i know it's a popular thing to to to, to do uh music or to want to play music but i feel like everywhere i go i always find such talent in music and I wish that more people, I wish more of that talent was, uh, like they were they they're found out. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like you look at you look at some of these mainstream pop music, mainstream pop music, and and I feel like man, like okay, yeah, it's good, but like dude, like my boy rips <laughs> rips it apart, you know, like in the rap or Kigo like can throw down guitar like nobody I know, you know what I mean? And yeah, and it's so cool. And I'm like, dang, you know, like they, I know so many people who deserve the same spotlight, and it doesn't. And I, I feel like just I don't know. I mean, it's it's natural. It's the competition. It's it's the the overwhelming uh, amount of information and and streams that you can stream. I mean, like you know what I mean like there you'll never run out of of something to listen to if you really want to if you want to you know be a music uh, absorber uh but for the music maker it's a little bit tough to put yourself there you know um and and we see that in not only in music and other stuff as well so uh I've just been blessed myself to be able to just be around people with with such talent it's been it's been really, really cool. Uh, me, well, I think with, with you, Steven, and I think we talked about this before, you have a really good ear for music, which, I don't know, I've always said, like, I guess because I, I find to think that there's so many people that don't understand and appreciate music, that I think, like, there's two types of musician. Like, there's the people that, that create music and all, obviously have a good ear for music, but then also, also people that can recognize good music and appreciate that realm, even if they don't create it themselves. Because, you know, there's there's people that I've met in my life, uh, one of them being Steven, but very few were even, you know, like my dad is this type of person too, and he influenced me when I was growing up by the type of music that that he heard, right? He, he, uh, he was, I guess, a curator of music, and, and that allowed me, to have a certain um, feeling uh, towards towards music, and a lot of the things he heard was composition. That might be Santiago. You got That's rain me. by you. <laughs> I'm getting rain on you. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, it's kind of peaceful. Okay. It's kind of peaceful. No, no, okay it's peaceful. I just wanted to make sure that it's not a fire here because <laughs> on one of my, our episodes. There was some, some smoke coming out, and Steven's like, yo, is that cool? And I'm like, yeah, I think it's cool. And then there was a fire in my, in my, in my bathroom because my girlfriend left like a, like a, candle. a candle, and it fucking lit up, dude. So I was just making sure it, there wasn't like this flames in the back. <laughs> the crackling uh, sound of a yeah, <laughs> of your building coming apart. <laughs> yeah. So peaceful. So peaceful. Oh, something fucking, smells uh, toasty. Firefighters just knocking down my door. <laughs> this happened, bro. No, but... So, like, you know, like, um, these people that understand music, right? And I'm sure, like, in your case, Santi, at least I see it this way. I don't, my my purpose or my, my vision is I don't really care about making music that is liked or by millions or, you know, billions of people. I prefer to have a more select quality of, of listeners and obviously enough of them so that 
it could make a, a career out of it. But I've, I've, you know, you, you've gone, you've always liked indie bands. And when I listen to some people play in Madrid, sometimes I go to see certain people that I like, and it's like a little auditorium with 300, 400 people. That feeling is, is even though an arena is, is cool too, there's a certain thing to that feeling of playing to a crowd that's so into that, I guess in comparison to like Daddy Yankee playing a stadium with 500,000 people. Like, I think that there's, there's like a sense of quality over quantity and... Is, is that how, how you do you see it too? Do you like do you like the more uh, private or uh, intimate sound, or or do you think that an arena you'll be able to like enjoy that and, and like that as well? Obviously, that would mean more money, but in, in more in the in the performing yeah. of it. Yeah. Uh, so I want to hit a couple points uh, about what Steve was saying. Uh, yeah, there's a difference between what you hear on the on the radio and like a friend who is who is making music or whatever. Uh, and I think a lot of it is, is is hard. Like you can see a product that you can tell when a product was made for just for profit. You know what I mean? For for money, uh, you can kind of feel that. Whereas when you see your 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 friend play something from his heart, it's like there's a different it's a different thing there um and then about um uh what you were saying kiko is i grew up i grew up listening to local bands and then smaller touring bands right like i would my favorite bands i would go to a show and it would be i don't know 300 people tops in a in a small room and i would like get so close to the singer i could like you know it's these crazy heavy rock shows where i could like even you know touch them and they they give your, your they, give, they give you the microphone so when i was you know when i was a teenager I, I grew up like going to shows like that you know what i mean where like you the feeling is just like it's like it's so intimate and there's just like nothing else um so then like going back to seeing like big artists like i i still do i do like big artists so like i remember going to see mana you remember mana yeah. i remember going to see them and uh at the amway theater over here and it's like i'm sitting in a basketball stadium and it's like the show is amazing don't get me wrong but it's like watching a dvd you know what i mean it's like mm -hmm. you sit in a chair and it's like oh and you're you're watching a production which is is, is cool whatever but it's uh, for someone like me who's been spoiled into like the really intimate stuff into intimate yeah it's there's a it's a it's a different it's a different yeah. experience and like it's, something, uh, it's something indescribable it's something that you can't you can't like fake you know what i mean I had an experience recently. I I went and watched one of my favorite bands, um, is Mumford and Sons, mm -hmm. and I went to watch them in Barcelona last year, and it was it was like at a, a, a stadium, and to be honest, this was the best band that I've seen live. Um, haven't really gone to hundreds of concerts, but this is the best band that I've seen live, and it was amazing. But yeah, it was literally like just watching a really good DVD with great, amazing sound, even though I knew it was live. Yeah. And it was, in, in a way, I was like, man, I wish these guys weren't that big so that I could see them like at a small theater on like a more acoustic um, setting type shit. And, and there's artists that just because of how big they got, there's no way of seeing them other than in an arena. And mm -hmm. I think maybe like, what, like I like hip hop. So going to watch like a hip hop concert on an arena, 
Like that's probably fire as fuck, right? Because the bon- but I think like bands like Mumford and Sons or or like a lot a lot of the people that I like, which is more, um, I guess more instrumental stuff. Uh, like organic instrument, organic yeah. instruments. Yeah. There's a thing of watching that uh, close up, you know, like even not acoustic, but still like you know. I remember watching the Mars Volta uh, live, and yeah. it was a small theater. Like a less than a thousand people, and and that closeness where you're actually seeing everyone play the things is fucking amazing. Because when you're in an arena, you don't see them playing. And I guess I guess it's different when you go as a musician than if you go just as a fan. Because mm-hmm. I think the division that you have is different. But I, when I'm in a concert, I, I like to analyze the the whole thing as a musician. And not being able to see them play is like fuck that. That's a bit fucked But thankfully I like a lot of Small artists too And I, and I get to see those Close up concerts Which I think I enjoy more Yeah man It's like These arena shows Like you see the drummer Hit the snare And you can it's, You're so far That you hear it later Right You it, The speed of sound Literally like It takes a while To get to you So I think That's really interesting I remember uh, Going to see Blink-182 Last year Or two years ago Or whatever Um and uh, you're just watching a screen, bro. You're just watching a big fucking screen. It's an amphitheater. It's a huge place, and you're just watching a, a screen. And uh, yeah. I don't know. And the 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 energy is, is all right, whatever. But I don't know. I, ju- I just uh, times I felt like I could just be watching this at home on headphones. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's an unpopular opinion, but it, it is true with this arena gigs. You, you, you're a little bit out of touch, you know? And, like, for example, changing the topic a bit, I, I really like stand-up comedy. And I think that with stand-up comedy, it, it sort of has the same effect. We're like, I mean, even more, because with stand-up comedy, you need the reaction of the people. Uh, with music, it's like you're playing and you're you sort of focused in. Uh, but when, when it's that big, you, you're sort of out of touch with the... With the people Yeah I guess when you're watching Like Metallica Play for like a million people And I guess that's like An experience But I mean Like this happened to me I went to see a football game here Right When I moved to Spain Like a classical game Right Barcelona Real Madrid And Yeah it's, it's fun Right It's cool Like oh But I was like Alright I don't need to do this again Like <laughs> like I could watch this shit at home drinking a few beers and I'm gonna see every play perfectly with a replay with you know and Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna see it better. Yeah. The the actual like sport like sport, you're gonna actually see it better. But I guess there's nothing I haven't been to a game I definitely obviously I haven't been to a classical, I would love to. But I bet the energy is just something different though, right? Yeah, it is. But I guess my the type of people that I the type of person that I am I like to be comfortable, and but I guess you know, like football fans would actually want that shit. But so you, I'm, I'm but not. you also, you went to see your team play away, right? You're in Madrid watching. No, I actually went to Barcelona. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even so, even more to your favorite, like yeah, motherfucker, you should enjoy this shit. You with yeah. the people, like. Yeah. But, uh, but I just, yeah. you know what Absolutely. it was? I think I've been spoiled in the U.S. with the sports. Logistics of the U.S. Like when you go to see a baseball game, it's like a comfortable venue, and you could even say it's not all about the sports, but about like 
the experience of being in the stadium, getting a hot dog, getting a beer. And I guess if you talk to like a football purist, he'll be like, bro, we're here to watch the game. Like in, in Europe, there's not like this concession stands or nothing. People bring their own sandwich and on the half game they eat it, you know. So it's very, I guess, rustic. It's very... Mm. I don't know It's different right Like they go there Watch the fucking game And they're smoking cigarettes Watching the game And I understand that 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 is Like the purest way Of doing it But I guess I was just Spoiled into Watching a, a game And also being Comfortable there uh, But I guess That's just a personal thing So that's why Like if I have a big screen And I'm watching that shit I prefer that a lot more Seeing every game On every angle Yeah No I mean um, For me I I, I have Uh, my my fiance she has a friend who has toured with uh, Jay Balvin and a lot of the other Latin um, artists here and when you start to get into these big arenas like for me I'm backstage I'm like he passes right in front of me I'm I'm helping I'm just like a like locally when he's in town like she'll give me a call or she'll give Nat a call and she'll have us run the the meet and greet or whatever right so we actually get to experience uh, you know, by by proxy, kind of like, oh yeah, like he's right here, and there's a whole another vibe to it, like being backstage. Um, and it, and I appreciate the the artists that come out, like they go from main stage, and then they like find like a little uh, a little platform in the middle of the of the of the crowd in the <laughs> arena, and then like they mm-hmm. they, tr- they try, right? They and because they they know that they're so big, they have like these massive light shows and like these enormous. Um, blow up freaking god knows what especially like on his uh on his colores tour or uh uh arcoiris tour and it was like i was like dude this is amazing right and so i i kind of uh i kind of parallel that to uh like the hip-hop tours but then i saw like saint lucia in fort lauderdale at a little freaking thing and buddy came right by us like he just walked through the crowd like i mean and it was and it was just amazing too that was like one of my favorite shows and i paid 20 bucks for that you know what i'm saying so when you when you're paying when when you you know like i don't know personally being spoiled like you guys you know you you realize like dang like i don't i don't want to i don't feel like I don't feel like I want to. I want to pay four hundred dollars to sit here to still see him far away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, although, from from a music standpoint, I don't. I don't mind doing it if it meant for him to keep him or her to keep on making music or them to keep right. making music too. So, I get it from both points. There's just sometimes where I feel like there's a lot more hands in the pot, like trying to make make more money out of it and then it loses its its touch yeah right and like like i said i i i was spoiled going to shows when i was a kid because i would pay six or twelve dollars i would see my favorite (laughs) artists play right in front of my fucking face you know what i mean like i don't know but that uh brings up a conversation actually about like how how artists get paid now and how like i was saying a lot of our revenue uh, uh, revenue uh, avenues or whatever were taken away because like earlier you were talking about Spotify plays and, and whatever and how it's difficult for artists to uh, to uh, well, very to little see. money right it's like yeah. it's like penny it's like fractions of a penny every play or something like that right? I think it's 0.4 pennies per 
play uh, on Spotify at least. Yeah, in and the I was US. reading an article the other day too that if it's not a full, if it doesn't reach a certain amount of time played, it doesn't count. Thirty seconds, I think. Yeah, and it's like, oh, yeah. wow, like yeah. there are blind yeah, some <coughs> some shady shit with with podcasts on that sense, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah but I think that brings up a, uh, a conversation about like should we start paying artists in a different way should we start thinking about this differently and like in the digital age like let everyone um, it's like the, the original copyright laws were meant to uh, control copies like literal copies right mm -hmm. and um, now in the digital age that doesn't really make sense Because uh, people can make copies of, of anything, right, digitally. So if we if we changed our our uh, um, our way that we think of how we pay artists, um, I don't know. That's actually that goes into what you guys were talking about uh, universal basic income at some point. Mm -hmm. That would include like taking care of people who do art, who whose art is just basically free now, and. Um, Uh, and uh, the community could take care of them or whatever. But uh, anyway, I, Damn. that was yeah. That's an interesting I mean, topic. I think I think that let's leave that for the next episode because we're gonna get a bit more on technical things. But to give a bit of conclusion on this and stay on the on the topic, Santi, do you think that back in the day, right? You forty years ago, you would make a record. You would come out on a vinyl. It was a single, one song on a vinyl. People had to pay. Whatever, 10, 20, 30 bucks to buy the vinyl to hear that song, right? Artists didn't even have to tour and they would become millionaires out of one song that people, okay. So then Napster came along and it's like, well, now you cannot just depend on selling the record because people can copy it digitally and, and now with Spotify even more. That made it so that you had to tour more and I guess do a little more work. Me, myself, as a musician, even though I value creating music and, 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 and the effort and talent that it takes to compose, I also think that I don't mind, like an artist, being that this is something that I love to do, like also having to go out there and, and work it, you know, and like play for people to make my money. Do you think of it that way or, or do you think that we do need a way to shift the way that we pay artists to make it so that... So that is more fair? Like, do you think it's becoming too much on the side of, like, if you don't play a, a concert, then you don't make money, and that shouldn't be the case? Should be more fair? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, you're assuming that everyone can play shows, you know? And I, I don't think that's really the case. I mean, some artists, like, maybe you don't you don't tour for for a... Uh, because you have a condition or or maybe you don't tour because your music it doesn't like some people write really you know maybe like orchestral shit or some like really creative experimental like uh, a bit or computer shit that doesn't make sense to be played live you know what i mean so i, I do think that if if you don't that you should be able to make a living without just playing shows and i think that if you all of a sudden can't play shows i don't think you should starve for the rest of your life just because you can't play shows i do think the music should be free though i do think music should be like pretty much like not necessarily free but like like a spotify kind of thing a, a lot of a lot of people don't support that business model but i do i i like having all the music that's you know ever been released or whatever on my phone at any moment i think that's a good thing i, I think that is a again the age of information i think that is a good thing because that, that involves the art 
the arts as well. I don't know if that made sense, but like as far as having like free and free information or whatever, I think that includes the arts. But yeah, no, I think that we as a society should come up with a new business model uh, to how to pay for things that are important. But right, but then don't you're deciding. Money. But you're sort of deciding. And I think that this is going to tie it up to, to the next episode because it's going to get deeper. But you're sort of deciding, like, music or art gets paid for when enough people like it and, and, and sort of vote for it. So what you're saying is that even music that doesn't get the, the, the attention of people, we should still sort of pay the living of that person because they're doing art and... And somebody should pay for it. Like, no, you, you're still you're still gonna have a system where the the more popular you are, the more money you're gonna make. Like you're not just gonna be taken care of just because you're an artist. You're not gonna make the same the, the same thing that Justin Bieber makes, right? Um, uh, but like we're talking about like Spotify and how you get like half a cent per play, whatever. Um, but we we just as a society have to come together and. I think we all agree that the arts are important, so we just need to invest more into that. So uh, I don't know. So you can work with like you just track how many times your song has been played, and then just paid, uh, and then just pay the person. But who pays the listeners or the government? Uh, well, it's going to be a combination of both. Yeah. Well, the, okay. the, the 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 point here is to get the government involved in something like that. Okay. Well, we're gonna get into some. Uh, a little more uh, serious topics not that music isn't but for us this is fun uh, but we're gonna get into more technical talks in the next episode but I think that uh, we're gonna wrap it up here because uh, I think we, we gave a good explanation on the music business especially from the perspective of Santi that, that is a successful touring musician and composer and And yeah, on the next episode, if you want to continue to listen to Santi and some of our ideas on things that the government can do to actually get involved in promoting the art, then go ahead and listen. And if you didn't like Santi that much, then just go to the next episode after this one, and you won't see his face anymore. Uh, I'm just kidding. But uh, for the meantime, thanks, Santi, for giving us all of that information, bro. That was actually, I was not, not even aware of any of that, and I'm a musician myself. Uh, so thanks for that. I don't know, Steven, if you have some last words regarding what we spoke. No, I really appreciate the, like, these, these types of topics for me are, are a little bit more close to home than some of the other topics that we talk about, even though it doesn't directly affect me, like economy and money and things like that. This is actually closer to my heart. And uh, I really appreciate Santi uh, shining a light on 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 that aspect from from the artist's point of view, right? So, yeah, awesome. Uh, uh, can I say one last thing? Of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it during or when we were talking before the podcast or whatever, uh, but I really appreciate what you guys are doing with uh, this podcast thing because I think it's the best way that people learn things like in the world of fast uh, fast news or you know, fast information like Facebook and Instagram whatever even like real news sometimes are very very quick so having a hour conversation about something um, is where people really uh, learn things and grow you know especially yeah. when you disagree so okay. so this is really cool thank you guys for uh, inviting me to this thanks for coming Appreciate thank it. you man awesome peace